Hello and welcome to Gifted Gas Bag. My name's Mandy. This is my podcast. I ramble about whatever's on my mind and um, that's that's it. That's the whole thing. Do you like it so far? Is it good? It's currently after one in the morning on a Saturday morning. It was Friday night, not that long ago. And <laughs> um, basically I can't sleep. Um, this is the second one of these I've done where I'm just like, guys, insomnia, keep me company. Uh, and I do have some stuff to talk about. I've just been like trying to think about a way that I can talk about this stuff that isn't going to raise alarm or like have you guys worried. So I'm trusting you here. Like I'm, you know, you guys are cool. I'm like, I'm trusting you that I can talk about this stuff and you'll understand where I'm coming from. Okay. So here's, I don't want you to freak out. I don't want you to, and I feel like I'm panicking you already, but I need you to just hear what I'm going to say. And know that um, up front, like first and foremost, I am fine. I am 100% okay and I will be okay and I'm all good. I have recently um, not been feeling myself. And some of you have noticed, by the way, um, someone left a comment on my TikTok account and it read me for filth. And I was just like, oh my God, ow, (laughs) woman down, 911. Uh, the comment was, you okay, girl? Long time between posts and your will to live seems to have diminished. <sighs> if she knew how off, like, wow. Um, <laughs> sorry, just, I can't believe a random stranger just saw me and went, something's very wrong with her. <laughs> I love you guys. I feel like you know me better than I do some days. Uh, yes. For those of you who have noticed, I have not been feeling myself. I'd say the last month or so I've felt really, I've been describing it as a kind of funk. I just feel like I've, I couldn't understand, I couldn't make sense of it. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I feel fine. I just don't, nothing seems to matter much anymore and everything is the same and it's the same routine and the same boring shit day after day. And nothing is holding my interest and I can't seem to concentrate and I'm having trouble sleeping and I don't know what's wrong. How come when I finish work, all I want to do is go lie in bed for five hours, but not sleep, just like stare at my phone or stare at a book or put a TV show on and like listen to it, but not actually sleep. Like it's, yeah, like I seem to just want to not pay attention to life and kind of ignore it all. And I was like, what What could possibly be wrong with me? Now, for those of you who've had any experience with mental illness, you're probably already yelling at the phone, Mandy, we know what's wrong. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I spoke to a counsellor today and uh, I've been speaking to her anyway and she sort of confirmed for me, it was like, it does sound very depression-y. <laughs> not the phrasing she used. She was like, look, I hesitate to use the word depression. Let's continue to call it what you called it, a funk. But it does share a lot of similar characteristics with what we would call depression. So that was her very gentle way of saying, Mandy, I think you may be a wee bit depressed, love. And my the first, when I realized this, when I'm like, oh my God, have I really just been depressed and I couldn't figure out, did it take me this long to figure out? that what was off, like, why I felt so off was just general depression. Really? Really? And then my instinct was to just be frustrated about it. Like, really? Like, come on, really? 
Because, like, if you guys have extrapolated this, then good for you. But I'm not the kind of person that likes to be out of control of things, whether that's my emotions or situations. I like to at least have a handle on a situation. And there is nothing I can do about my brain chemistry being off, you know? So it's frustrating and it makes me angry because I'm just like, why? Why is this happening to me? Uh, why has my brain suddenly decided that I don't get to do the, the feel-good hormones anymore and I just get to be <laughs> in the same mood all the time and not interested in things and just all I want to do is sleep and stuff like that um it's yeah like there's a I don't like that I don't like that relinquishing of control I don't like feeling a certain way and not being able to do anything about it I hate that and uh so after yeah although counselor lady uh said to me don't beat yourself up about it because that's counterintuitive and yeah she's got a point but um yeah I guess I just kind of wanted to come on here and say that's a thing that I'm dealing with so if I seem different that's why if you clocked it already good for you <laughs> it took me longer okay it's hard to tell from the inside that that's what's wrong um and the re I mean one of the reasons it took me so long right I have experienced depression before. I'm the kind of person where I am very anxious. And one of the side effects of being um, anxiety riddled for long periods of time is that um, sometimes you, you just, your body can't sustain being stressed out for prolonged periods of time. It just can't. And if you're an anxious person, if you have any kind of anxiety, you know, at some point your body just shuts down and goes, look, you clearly can't manage yourself. So I'm just going to switch you off for a bit so that you can calm the fuck down and we can get something, get back to something resembling normal. Um, and that's a kind of like depression that's induced by anxiety. And that I've experienced before. So what I'm used to is feeling stressed for months at a time and then all of a sudden just kind of falling in a heap, feeling horrible and very tired and very blech, just meh, just everything is meh, feeling like that for a few months and then getting back to normal and being like, okay, now I feel good and I've got to make sure I don't stress myself out again. Um, this time there was no stress preceding it. Not that I'm aware of, I think... You know, everyone's been stressed for the last two years. But aside from that, there was no big stressful thing that preceded this. I just, yeah, apparently this is just a brain chemistry thing where I've fallen into a funk. It's not even seasonal. I don't even have the the common decency <laughs> to have seasonal depression, at least, you know. That at least would make sense. You know, lack of sunshine, lack of vitamin D can, can cause um, imbalances that can lead to depression. I haven't gone outside very much lately and I do have to take vitamin D because I'm super vitamin D deficient because of how easily I've burned in the sun. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I, I fixated on wanting to know the reason. And uh, again, counselor told me like, it doesn't really matter so much the reasons. It is just your brain chemistry. And there are things we can do and steps we can take to pull you out of it. But the main thing is that your body wants you to take care of yourself and rest and recuperate. So you have to focus on doing that. And look, I'm trying to, and I, I will get better at it. And, you know, this is stuff like this is never permanent. Uh, it's always temporary. It's just a, a matter of working through it. And it's just annoying having to work through it. So 
yeah, I didn't mean for this to turn into the mental health podcast, but here we are. And I, I, I kind of, I wasn't sure about whether to talk about this. And then I thought, you know, it would have helped me so much sometimes if like someone I looked up to or someone I listened to or like a content creator talked just openly and frankly about this stuff. Like, um, like I love Colleen Ballinger and I watch her vlogs all the time because I admire so much that she is just so honest about when she's struggling and doesn't try to paint it as some like, you know, Oh, let me teach you this beautiful broad lesson about this, you know, I can give you this whole experience with all the clean edges. She's like, no, right now shit just sucks. And I'm just going to tell you that it sucks and there's no fix for it. And it's just is what it is. Sometimes life is shit and you just kind of have to mush through it. And I've always admired that. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. On, on the off chance that any one of you is currently like in a funk that doesn't make sense. And you feel almost like, cause <laughs> I, I was telling a friend about this and I said, um, I feel almost like I don't deserve depression. Like what, what have I done that's pushed me into a depression? Like, you know, it doesn't make sense. It's, I haven't suffered enough to earn a depressive state. And, uh, after my friend told me that was the dumbest thing they've ever heard me say, <laughs> they were like, depression is a chemical imbalance. No one deserves it. It's just a thing that happens and it's shit and sometimes life is shit and you just do your best and you push through it. Everyone has struggles sometimes. No one deserves the struggles that they, they have. It's just something that happens to you. So if there's any chance any of you out there are currently going through that, I just want to be like, oi, same. And it doesn't diminish you as a person. You know, I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just mucking through and sometimes things aren't good. But I'd rather admit that and have someone be like, oh, thank God, someone who gets it, than pretend everything is okay all the time. So there you go. Bang on 10 minutes into the podcast. Let's let's make that be the wrap-up of the discussion. But I will let you know how I'm going, guys. Um, aside from that, <laughs> how has the week been? Honestly, really busy. Um, it's, of course... You know, the universe has um, chucked a very hectic work week at me. So I finished my work week, lots of overtime, um, a decent amount of stress, but whatever. It's just life sometimes. Um, otherwise, like family stuff, friends is all going well. Um, went to trivia again, got to actually meet up with some friends I haven't seen since last year. That was nice. Um... I was going to try and spend time with them this weekend. I'm actually currently having a bit of indecision because like it's late fr Friday night, Saturday morning, right? I don't know what I'm going to do with my weekend, but I know that I probably need to get out of this house. Like I need a break. I need some kind of nice little, I don't know, me activity, Something nice for myself, right? So something I thought about doing was driving out to my parents and visiting my grandmother because she's home alone right now. My parents are traveling, um, uh, just like doing a, a about a week and a day, I think, trip there. They should be back early next week, but they're currently up north and they have been all week. So she's by herself. Um, she's completely fine. Like she lives in her own home uh, next door to where my parents live. And I've called and checked in on her and she's like, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. And I feel like I still want to go out and visit her and just like, I don't know, keep her company. 
or make sure she's okay? And do you see the dilemma I'm having? I'm like, yes, but that's not doing something for yourself. That's going out to look after your grandmother and that's for someone else. And I can't work out if it's that I'm trying. Uh, anyone else struggle with this where you don't know, like you've, you're so used to doing things for other people. You're kind of not good at doing something just for yourself. Because I feel like when I could go out and visit her, going and doing anything else is selfish. And I know it isn't. And I know she's fine. And maybe I'll just head out the weekend after and then I can see my parents and my grandmother at the same time. But, like, uh... Yes, okay, no, Mandy, it's not selfish. Just, sorry, I'm trying to, like, I'm giving myself a pep talk here. I'm multitasking. Um, <laughs> it's not selfish. You can go out next weekend and you'll see your parents and your grandmother and you can like relax and don't, cause I know if I go out to see my grandma right now, I'm going to feel the urge to like, I'll want to help her with the housework and I'll want to cook her meals for her. And I want to like, she can do them herself, but it's not, you know, like it's easier for me to do it. Um, but she's okay. Oh, I'm struggling. I don't, yeah, I don't know. What would I even do? Like, where would I go and what would I do? I know I need to get out of the house. I know I need to, like, take a break. I don't know where to go or what to do. Do I just get in my car and go for a drive and see where I end up? Like, things are sort of calming down. I technically could go, like, for a drive to the city or to the beach. There's nothing stopping me. Like, I've got money there. I could, I could do the thing. <laughs> I don't know. Why is it so difficult to make a decision? You guys had, like, I, last week I told you I drove, drove around for half an hour trying to decide on a place to eat. And this is just as simple as just go somewhere that you want to go for a, a day trip. And I'm like, I don't even know where I want to go. Where would I want to go? You know what's popping into my head? I freaking love Daiso, the shop. <laughs> Like the, the yen store, the um the Japanese variety store. I love it. And they have one at Riverlink. I could take a day trip up there and go to Riverlink. Like nothing's stopping me from doing that. Maybe I just do like a day trip around town. I haven't really been out or done many things in the city, you know, like where I live in ages because, you know, COVID. Um, maybe I do that. <sighs> maybe, you know what, maybe um, quarter to two in the morning isn't the best time to be making these decisions. That's, yeah, that's probably it. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. Sorry, guys, this can't be very entertaining to listen to. Let's talk about something else. What's something else I can talk about? Ooh, I am currently re-watching all of House because I... I know I have new shows to watch, but sometimes all you want to watch is the same comfort shit you've watched 50,000 times. And it's been a while since I've done a house rewatch. It is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's probably the show I've watched the most. Um, I had like TikToks ages ago where you guys would like throw me a random quote and I could usually pick out the episode and season because um, I've watched it so many times. And I have forgotten how much I love this show. But as, uh, one of the reasons I love rewatching old shows is because you like pick up different context. And I love 
I love, well, I think it's called discourse or something. I can't remember what the word is. It's where you watch something or you read something, but you try and approach it from a different person's perspective. Like we did this in English class in high school. Do you guys remember this? I'm forgetting the word. Maybe it's discourse. Maybe it's something else. It's like if you, like you're currently reading this as a white Australian female in her 30s, if you were someone that wasn't that demographic, if you didn't have your experiences but different people's experiences, how would you interpret it? I didn't mean for this to turn into an English class, but stay with me, right? Um, <laughs> so I love, because I ended up in English in like high school, they made us read a book and then write a report on it, right? And then when we'd done that, they were like, okay, now we're going to send you out and say like, imagine reading this if you were um, like a different gender, if you were in a different age group, if you were like, you know, pretend, read this through a different context, a different historical context or, and then come back and write the report again. And it was so friggin' fascinating. So sometimes, and this is the, the nerd popping out, I like watching stuff with different people's perspectives. And my favorite thing to do is like, I'll scroll through Tumblr and see what other people think. Um, like Reddit, Tumblr, all those social media platforms and see what other people think of the shows that I love. And then I'll watch it through their eyes. And I've got to say, <laughs> there's this guy that did a, a series on YouTube called Everything But The Kitchen Sink. And he talks about how much he loves the show House. Like he did six episodes of this YouTube series and I think they're all like 45 minutes to an hour each of him breaking down the show and what he likes about it and what he doesn't like about it. And, oh, sorry. Did I mention it's nearly two in the morning? Let me just get some water. He, um, yeah, like his perspective on it, it's like kind of gave me a whole different way of watching the show like gave me a whole different appreciate appreciation for some parts of the show but also I never liked some of the later seasons like I'd watch them because obviously like the characters are amazing and I would I always want to know what happens to the characters but I will say I don't think I've watched season seven more than like twice through because I skip it I think in my opinion seasons one to five are amazing season six feels weird season six feels really strange and kind of unrealistic and almost like a parody of itself like it feels like you know when shows get popular and then they get kind of too self-referential because they kind of make fun of themselves that was sort of what season six did and then season seven oh maybe like the last episode of season six was an absolute fucking masterpiece the first and last episodes of season six were beautiful. Everything in the middle is a complete clusterfuck. And then season seven was like the worst season. <laughs> Some of the worst episodes of the show are in season seven. And then they were like, it was bad enough that they, you know, the show um, ends up like wrapping up in season eight. Um, but season eight was actually good. Uh, and he talked about, yeah, in this series, he talked about how they really should have wrapped up House at the end of season five uh, and then, like, had a big finale with the two-parter that started in season six where House ends up in the mental... Spoiler alert, House goes to a mental institution in season six. And um, they kind of, 
in a very neat bow sort of wrap up his character arc, but then the show keeps going. And I'd never noticed that before, but I knew that, you know, like when um, you feel a certain way about something, but you don't have the words to like explain why you like or don't like something. I'm always like in awe of people that can do like that media analysis and all of that and just put in words like they'll explain exactly what it is you like about it because I can watch something and I feel stuff but I can't you know put it in words like oh um like the other night uh me and my friend who is in Melbourne we sometimes watch movies or shows together because we both love movies and like the same kind of shows and all that sort of stuff and they were like called up like let's watch a movie what do you want to watch and recently the Oscar nominations happened yes I am an Oscar fan because I <laughs> I like the Oscars because it makes me watch movies that maybe I wouldn't have watched without the Oscars you know like I might I might have heard about the movie like some of them before then but there will always be movies that pop up in the Oscar nominations that I've never heard of and I go and watch them just to kind of get an idea of what's out there because it's usually fairly cutting edge stuff and it's never the sort of movie, I don't know, it's uh, it kind of like challenges the sort of movies I would normally watch and kind of steers me away from my comfort zone. But I think that's a good thing because for every weird-ass movie that I finish and I'm like, what the hell was that? There'll be a movie that, like, completely emotionally destroys me. So, <laughs> And um, one of the movies that was nominated was a movie called Power of the Dog and it got a lot of nominations. It's got Benedict Cumberbatch... Uh, Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst, one of my favourite celebrity couples. Um, although, I mean, oh, I wish to God, I don't know who started this, but I was watching Jesse Plemons in some show and someone called him Fat Damon, which, horrible, horrible nickname. But now it comes into my head every time I see him and I hate that. Uh, anyway, side note. So, uh, yeah, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, and it's about... It's it's a hard... If I were to tell you the plot, you say that sounds really boring. But it's not the story, it's the way it's told. And it's like, the it's the whole show, don't tell, and how... It, it's one of those movies that doesn't spoon-feed you the plot. And I, I didn't have super high expectations for it. Like, Benedict Cumberbatch being nominated for a Best Actor award, I was like, ooh, this must be good. Uh, and me and my friend sat there and watched it and we were so riveted <laughs> and like tense through the whole movie because there's this undercurrent of like something, what is going on, kind of going through it. Uh, uh, and this is a movie, by the way, my dad told me that he tried to watch it and said it was some arty shit. I stopped watching it 20 minutes in. It was really boring. Whereas me and my friend were like absolutely riveted. So it, I suppose it depends on what kind of stuff you like in movies. Um, it is... I give, like the plot basically is about two brothers that grew up on a ranch. They got it from their parents and they, you know, run the ranch together uh, as grown-ups, you know. And then the one of them is like a roughneck, rawhide, fancies himself, fancies himself a cowboy, like a man's man. And the other brother is kind of wears suits and, you know, bathes and trims his mustache and everything. He marries a local divorcee. And she moves in with her, uh, you know, adult son. And it's this kind of... Uh, it's like watching a Western. I've never seen a movie before where they take that kind of concept of, like, Montana in the, in the um, 
1920s or like the 1820s, whenever it was where like the the last vestiges of the old West were dying out, you know, like they're on a ranch and they're like cowboys and, you know, like doing all this cowboy stuff. But they also have one of the first automobiles. Um, like, you know, there's a couple of cars around. So the Industrial Revolution starting to come in and the Old West is dying off. And it's this, like, this um, clashing of, like, the modern times coming in and kind of stomping out the cowboy side of things, but the cowboy side being, like, aggressive and resistant to the change. It's, I, yeah, it's got this in, such a fascinating freaking movie to watch. If you're into the arty shit, you'd probably really like it. So there you go, Power of the Dog, check it out. Um, I've got other movies on the list. Apparently West Side Story is one I need to see. But I gotta say, and um judge me all you want, you do, like with how much I love musicals, feel free to judge me. I've never seen West Side Story. I've never watched it. I just it, it missed me. It missed me. Um the most I've seen of West Side Story, oh God, now you're really going to judge me. Um, are you ready to feel so superior to me in every way? Because you have every right to. Are you ready? The most I've seen of West Side Story <laughs> was while watching Glee, where they put on a performance of West Side Story on Glee. <laughs> but hey... I will stand by the fact that Naya Rivera did an amazing version of the um, America and that Darren Chris absolutely nailed that, that song that Barbara Streisand also sings, um, Something's Coming. That's from West Side Story, isn't it? Could be, who knows? I like that song. It's a good one. Something's coming, someone's coming. Anyway, um, yes, I've never seen West Side Story. I'm a bad person. So... I'm not going to watch the old one. I do want to watch the new one because Ariana DeBose has, is everyone's raving about her and she's been nominated for best actress, which is very cool. Um, what else is on the list? Kind of mad Spider-Man, Spider-Man No Way Home got snubbed because it deserved an Oscar nomination. I think if you can nominate the dark Knight for an Oscar, you can a hundred percent nominate Spider-Man No Way Home. Cause that was like the, the performances are freaking triumphant. But then you know what? They would have had too many nominations to slap on it because, like, Willem Dafoe would have had to get, like, a Best Supporting Actor. And so would, like, Zendaya. So would other people that I won't name because spoilers. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going to work my way through the Oscar list of movies. Um Anyway, yes, um, um, film and TV nerd. I think we knew that already. But um, the other movie, you know what? There was another one on the list that I did watch and it just left me feeling very unsettled. Um, it's called The Lost Daughter. And I watched it because Olivia Coleman is in it and I will watch her in anything. She is the most amazing actress. You just immediately believe who she is in every single one of her roles with no... Like, there's, there's no, um, oh, she's the person from this movie. You don't even have time to do that. Like, she sells you on who she is instantly. She can make you forget everything you ever saw her in before, and she just becomes this other character. Um, yeah, Olivia Coleman, one of my favorite actors. Uh, if you've never seen her in Fleabag, oh, she's so good in Fleabag. Like, obviously, Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, that's her show. 
but Olivia Coleman plays the stepmother in Fleabag, and she's just the perfect depiction of this odious, nasty, mean-spirited woman that hates her stepchildren, and oh, man, you just want to kick her in the face. She's very, very good at playing that role. She also played the Queen very well. I like that. In um in the season three of The Crown, I think. Anyway, so yeah, I love her. Um, she's in this movie, The Lost Daughter, and Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, directed the movie. And it was very... The movie is meant to be unsettling because you don't know where it's going. It's one of those ones that's kind of tense and stressful because you're not sure where it's going. You don't know what the point is or even if there is a point or if this is just like an experience. It's meant to kind of dump you in someone else's life and experience for a bit and make you live life through their their kind of like through their eyes without also knowing the full story. But um, it ended up being this amazing movie because, again, it told a story in a way I've never seen before. I don't think I've ever seen, and I don't think this is a spoiler, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that is solely about how the maternal urge is not innate, is not um, like something that every single person experiences. That, you know, maternal instinct of like, oh, I sacrifice everything for my kids and my kids are my whole life and and that how for some women that's just not true. Um, and that some people maybe shouldn't have become mothers or some people maybe regret being mothers. That's at its core what I think the movie's about. And it does, it tells that kind of story in such a heartbreaking but real and unapologetic way. At no point does it try to apologise for the female characters that don't feel that maternal instinct, that are frustrated by having to raise kids, that are annoyed with it. I like that. I like that it just says, you know, this is something that society would see as disgusting or abhorrent or how how terrible, what a horrible mother. And not mistreatment, like, don't get me wrong, not mistreatment of kids or anything, just a mother who is not enthusiastic about being one, who will do the job, who will raise her kids... But, you know, it's just it's just that for them. It's a job. They don't see it as a higher calling. They don't see it as some, you know, um, the thing that they were meant to do always. It's just it's it's a thing they have to do for them. And I don't think I've ever seen it told that way before. So that was kind of fascinating. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I ended up raving about the Oscars, but... <laughs> and movies I like, but there you go. That was where my brain went today was just, you know, movies, cinema, TV, all that kind of stuff. I fall right into all of that. If you like, um, like media analysis stuff, um, I follow a heap of YouTube channels. Like I love lessons from the screenplay. That's a really good YouTube channel about how to translate a script into a movie, but also how some scripts I've always thought, like I used to think that a script was just, look, here's the dialogue and a few stage directions and you can just take that and run with it. But some scripts are written so perfectly that there's so little the director needs to do to interpret it. It kind of lays out everything so that it's really, yeah, like it's almost like poetry, how few words they need to capture everything you should see on the screen. It's amazing. So Lessons from the Screenplay is a really good YouTube channel. I love the... Okay, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. 
there's an there's a video about the opening of the Devil Wears Prada and how succinct storytelling that is. How quickly you know everything about the main character, about the world she comes from and the world she's stepping into and juxtaposing the contradiction between who she is and who all these, you know, uh, women are getting ready for their days versus her getting ready for her day tells you everything you need to know about the story um, without having to chuck in a heap of exposition. Uh, yeah, like that's one of them I love. I also love, I think, the lessons from the screenplay about the social network is another really, really good um, video that I find fascinating. There's um there's a channel called Pop Culture Detective that breaks down usually kind of like progressive tropes around like gender politics and um, there's one he does about the Big Bang Theory and I think it might be like nerd misogyny played for laughs or something like that. It's like the ador- – oh, that, that's what it is. It's called the adorkable misogyny of the Big Bang Theory. And it talks about how, like, yes, it's a funny show, but I didn't even realise until I was watching this. It's like there's a lot of misogynistic tropes and devices used in the Big Bang Theory. Um, I feel like such a bloody buzzkill now because a lot of people like that show. Um, you know, I don't think it's like, okay, now we cancel the show. It's just different kind of discourses and different ways of looking at things that I find interesting. So yeah, that's a really good one. Um, there's a podcast I love. Um, I love Matt Baum's Culture Cruises on YouTube. He'll talk about like from a, from a queer and gay perspective, watching, you know, TV shows of the seventies and eighties and stuff and what kind of impact they had on society back then. Um, God, anyway, I could go on forever. Clearly, like, honestly, at this point, I watch more YouTube than I do television. Uh, I watch TV shows, I watch movies. But day to day, there's usually a YouTube video going on in the background. And I don't know why I find, why do I find media analysis so soothing? I once watched, I'm not kidding, this woman has since deleted her channel, but I once watched this woman's channel... And she had deconstructed the BBC, the BBC show Sherlock. And she had deconstructed every single episode down to like, here's what the type of drinks they're drinking mean. Here's what this outfit means. This is what this coat means. She had dissected it. And it was like, at some point I was like, I don't even care what she's talking about. Just the fact that she's gone into this much detail I really appreciate it. Like, I just, <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, it's so weird, like the rabbit holes you go down. I do this all the time. Anyway, um, so that, yeah, I, I watched all of her videos. At one point there, she had 47 hour long videos. I want to point out, if you've never seen BBC Sherlock, there are four seasons of three episodes each season. There are 12 hour or so long episodes of Sherlock. She has made at least two or three times, like, sorry, I'm bad at math, but like, at least, no, more than three times <laughs> the amount of content that the show contains just dissecting one television show that went for four seasons. Wow, like I you gotta appreciate that. Plus it's something very soothing about hearing people 
talk about like knowledgeable stuff, you know, I've always found that like really soothing hearing smart people talk about stuff that I don't know anything about. Hmm. I wonder why that is. Do you know my favorite like sort of comfort movies? Like I have my comfort TV shows that I watch over and over again, but I also have movies that I like to watch when I just need to feel calm. And they might not be the ones you'd think of. Like when I say if I if I was to say put on a movie that makes you feel calm, think about like what you'd put on. I legit have a list on my phone. Sorry if the audio quality's just changed. I've just picked up my phone. I have a list of movies on my phone. <laughs> I call this list, hang on, movies about smart people who know everything that calm me down. That's the name of the list. And this is the type of the movies I tend to watch over and over and over again just because they're about smart, competent people. And the idea that there are like smart, competent people doing things, you know, that they've got a handle on everything, they know everything. For some reason, I find that really calming. I like the idea of other people taking care of stuff and being competent and I don't have to worry about it. Um, okay. The movies that I watch on repeat are Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> Come on, like, that's a good movie. I just, I love the strategy. I love their whole scheme. I love how it comes together. It's amazing. Um, a movie called Molly's Game, which is Jessica Chastain. And it's... Um, a lot of people haven't seen this movie, by the way, and it's really good. It's from the same guy that wrote, uh, what's that movie? You Can't Handle the Truth. A Few Good Men. He wrote A Few Good Men. He wrote The West Wing. He wrote um, The Newsroom. He wrote The Social Network. Uh, it's Aaron Sorkin. So he wrote Molly's Game and I think directed it as well. So, And it's a, a, it's a true story based on a true story about a woman who was going to become an Olympic skier broke her back and went, okay, I need to do something else with my life. And she started running underground poker games um, for famous and rich people that ended up like netting her millions of dollars. But then she accidentally runs afoul of the mob. This is all true, by the way. I've read her autobiography. It's amazing. Movie called Molly's Game. Love it. Um, the Social Network. Another one I love watching over and over again because they talk so fast and they're so smart. And also Andrew Garfield. I know he's not the main character. But he's why I watch it. He's so friggin' good. Um, the Imitation Game. I love that movie. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch talking about the, the computer Christopher. Breaks my frigging heart. But he's so smart. Um, Limitless. Yeah, this one's kind of like... It's a good pulpy... Wouldn't it be great if we could take a pill and like make ourselves smarter? Uh, the Big Short. A weird one to rewatch. I know. I know. It's a movie about the financial crisis. <laughs> but it's so interesting. And Steve Carell plays such a good part. Ryan Gosling plays such a good part. The way they explain everything is so... The rhythm of the dialogue is really fun. Um, and, like, Brad Pitt plays a good part in it. It's just, if you've never seen The Big Short... It's an Adam McKay-directed movie. He's the dude, by the way, that directed Talladega Nights. So think of that vibe, 
but in talking about the financial crisis. And he knows full well how boring the topic is. They talk about the fact that, like, all this financial shit's really boring, so we're going to explain it. Here's Margot Robbie in a bathtub to explain to you what this is. It's fucking awesome. It's very quick-witted, it's very smart, it's very funny, um, but very real and grounded in moments, too. Uh, the American President... I just It's a rom-com of sorts, but I just really like it. I really like it. It's a good movie. I love the speech um, Michael Douglas gives at the end to the, the to the press about his opponent Bob Rumson. You know, Bob Rumson wants to tell you who's to was it. The reason he won't fix a problem is that he can't sell it. Like, oh, it's so good. Uh, and a few good men is another one I don't mind rewatching over and over again. So those are the movies. Like. <laughs> Those are some movies I do watch over and over and over because I just, I really like them. Um, aside from that, I've watched Galaxy Quest about 5,000 times. I love that movie. I find myself watching, oh, there's a movie called Mr. Holland's Opus about a music teacher. Richard Dreyfus is in it. It's really good. Breaks my heart. I will cry or get like kind of stirred up at the end where he's like conducting his own orchestra every time every time i'm a sucker for a musical moment what can i say oh goodness how long have i been talking my god 41 minutes well it is now eight minutes past two in the morning i am starting to get tired finally thank god um Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. If you're still here, wow, what a champ. MVP, good for you. <laughs> I would have thought I would have lost you around the talk about all the Oscar bait movies. Um, thanks for, yeah, no, genuinely, thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. And um, drop me a line at giftedgaspag at gmail.com if you just want to talk, if you want to chat to me, recommend me movies. I always love that. And um, I will talk to you guys next week. Okay, take care of yourselves. Bye.